Hello everyone and welcome to Intimacy with the World podcast. I am Dorita Hall, your host on this show where we explore what it really means to be human and what really matters to be able to live a meaningful life. Today I am speaking with Annika Hoydal. She is a singer, a songwriter and an actress from the Faroe Islands living in Copenhagen. Annika Hoydal is regarded as one of our national treasures in the Faroe Islands for the big role she has played in shaping Faroese culture and many of her songs have shaped more than a generation. One of those songs is Altan, which means wave. Old and young, everybody in the Faroe Islands knows and loves this song. I think the reason is that it resonates so deeply this is both because it describes what is an obvious part of every islander's life, the sea and the waves, but even more so because it also describes the complexities of being human, the coming and the going, the fear and the courage, the desire and the pulling away, the solitude and the community, the impermanence of everything, and of course, the light and the darkness. And these are exactly among the things I would like to speak with Annika about today. So welcome to Intimacy with the World podcast, Annika. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dorda. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to be with you. And the same. <laughs> so now I feel very privileged to have here on my computer the speech that your brother, the acclaimed author Gunnar Hoydal, brought forth for your husband and your wedding day. Yes. And in this, yes, and in this <laughs> speech, he explains to your husband to be what he is in for by marrying you. And this is, <laughs> yeah. Fright frightening. Very frightening, <laughs> yes. And this is a beautifully written speech. And your brother says of you that instead of being driven by logic and pragmatism, you were always driven by justice and by feeling, no matter what the odds were. So what do you think about that description? I think he's right. I think he has read me right. Um, when I was a small girl and started in school, non-school with nuns in the Faroe Islands, I was very shy, very timid, very quiet. And I, I hid myself. But if they said something that I thought was wrong, Suddenly I stood up and spoke up for somebody. And I, I, I didn't dare, but I, I, I automatically did it. And I think that's in my, in my system all over to take, to protect the weak ones yeah. and to go in for justice and yeah. such. So uh, being so governed by, by feelings and justice doesn't that, and, and not so governed by what's logical and pragmatical to do, doesn't that make life unnecessarily difficult, Annika? Not anymore, I wouldn't say. But when I was younger, it, I could make uh, life complicated for myself. Uh, it took me a while to understand that I sometimes should step back, not putting myself into somebody else's thoughts because it, was, it wore me out. It took me a long time, many years, to understand that I had to choose some people in my life, but not the whole world, if you understand what I mean. 
because you, you I mean, it, the burden gets too big. Yeah. You had a, a very unusual childhood. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you were born in the Pharaohs and then you ended up in Ecuador and then you yes. went back to the Pharaohs. I mean, that's yeah. very special. Yes. Um, I was born just after the war and my father was the first one to go abroad to Denmark to study in his family. That was a big thing. He went to Denmark and suddenly the war came. And as you know, but other people might not know, uh, Denmark was occupied by the Germans and the Faroe Islands was occupied by the British forces. And so people from the Faroe Islands were stuck here and they couldn't get home again. And they were longing, they were walking about here in the flat Denmark, longing and longing and longing home. And communication was by letters. Uh, in this time, he met my Danish mother. Um, she was from a totally other family. The mother played the piano, the father was a writer and that sort of thing. So he came into an, another world from a peasant world you could say in the pharaohs uh, so they met and during the war they married and they got first my eldest brother and then two years after they got twins so during the war where everything was difficult to get they had three children within a very short time then the war was over and everybody that could they went on the same ship, on the same boat, with children and wives and everything back. They were longing, so they went back to the pharaohs. And in my mother's stomach was I lying, trying to get out into the world. And when we came to November, I was born in the pharaohs, in a lonely house. And my father was, had to go back to Denmark to make an exam, the last exam. So my mother, Danish, didn't understand the language. She was in, a, in a, a house far away, getting me into the world. Uh, and my father's brother helped her. But that was how I came. And as my brother says, there was a stormy night and it was raining and the, the sea was, you know, uh, raging. And that was how I come in, came into the drama. <laughs> Very appropriate uh, of you, I think. <laughs> I, I think so. But then that, that was in the Faroe Islands. And my father thought, as so many of the others, then now we'll come home and help this small little country out in the ocean. But what happened was that during the war, the Faroese fishermen had brought fish, either from Iceland or from the Faroe Islands, to England. So they were rich. They were much richer than the, the ones that came, had studied and had no money. So it was difficult to get a job. And they were looked upon as the, the, the walkers of the, uh, what's that, Mac, macadamized streets, the flat of macadamized streets, asphalt streets. So these, the, the, now they came home and thought there was something. And it was very difficult to get a house to live in. We were split up. My father and I and my mother in one house, the twins in one house, my eldest brother in one house. It was difficult to get a place. It was difficult. Everything was difficult. So what to do? Then my father 
tried to get a job uh, during the the United Na within the United Nation uh, called FAO, Food and Agriculture uh, Organization is called, and he got a job. First, we thought we were going to Arabia, but then they changed it and we went to Ecuador. So we sailed to Denmark first, and then by propeller uh, machine uh, air airplanes. We went, you know, and you drop down all the time to get fuel. So we went through the whole world and, and ended up in Ecuador. Which, in which, which year was this, Annika? Uh, this, this has been, I'm so bad with figures, but I have been seven. Yeah, so in, in the early 50s, 52 yes. or something. Yes, yes. Like yeah. yeah. So we went away, the whole family, um, to a totally other world, of course. Yeah, Ecuador in the 50s must have been very different. Very different, and, and also depending on which place you were, if you were in, in the, the capital city, Quito, uh, it was one thing, but where we landed, because my father had to make a um, fish factory for f f people, uh, you know, there were canoes going out every day, and, and the wind was outwards in the morning, and then it shifted about one o'clock, and then they had to come back. And... It was hot, so if there wasn't a buyer for the fish, it just rotted, it, it was spoiled. So what they did was they made this fish factory so they could get ice, you know. They could come and put their thing, their fish into this place that you could put ice on the fish so it could stay. And then they had an auction hall, and then they had some um, quite primitive machines to to work on, uh, you know, what you call it, um, yeah, yeah, to cut up the fish. And yes, make and that sort of thing. Right? Yeah. Yes, but that was that was a plan. And how long uh, were you? Because you got sent back home. How long were you in? Yes. Uh, well, I came back and forth as the only one of us four, because after. Um, a little more than a year, you know, the school system didn't work very well. Um, and I didn't go to school. I, I denied because in the Pharaohs, I had been to, at the school with white nuns from top to, to the feet. And now I went into a, a school with black nuns from top to feet, you know, and I was so frightened of them. So I denied to go to school. So I didn't go to school. But then they sent all of us, all the four of us, back to um, the boys, to Denmark, in a uh, boarding school. And I went alone uh, to the Faroe Islands, eight-year-old, uh, to the Faroe Islands. And first I stayed at one uncle, and I didn't want to stay there. And then I went to another uncle, and I didn't want to stay there. And then I went to Santor, the island you come from and stayed at my, my father's sister's place. Uh, and I felt very alone in the world, of course. They were nice people, but uh, I met my parents who were on the other, other end of the world, you know? Yeah. So what do, what do you think I, that, how did that um, influence you, do you think? How many years were you without your family, without your parents? Actually, only just over one year. Then my, my mother wanted me back. Uh, because I was a girl and I was the smallest one. So uh, they came and fetched me. Uh, and I was so frightened when they came because I, was, I had been eating 
so I was a little round thing now. I was a sort of long thing in the beginning, and then I was a little, you know, uh, and and then we stood as they did. Did then all the children gathered in the corner, and the bus. We were waiting for the bus, and I was just so nervous. And then the the bus came closer and closer and closer and closer, and suddenly it stopped, and the door went up, and my mother came in out and she was she was a, a lady of the world she, you know she didn't look like anybody else in the surrounding and my father came with a hat on you know and they were so foreign for me too so i didn't dare to show myself and i had eaten too much i didn't look as i had done before but suddenly my my aunt pushed me and said it is this one she said and the first thing my mother very um, it was not psychologically very well, well said she said oh dear how fat you have become that was the welcome after this loneliness so she put me on a diet <laughs> and then we went back to south america um you know uh, and then i was a lonely child. I, I was not with my brothers. They had always been there, and now I was on my own, sort of. Um, and and I was always the new one, because in, when I came to Sandra, I was the new one. And then and my mother always said, "But you are the new one. You have to make the contacts," which I thought was very complicated to to do because my insecurity was big, of course. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a childhood. It's very unusual childhood, especially for a child from the Faroe Islands, where you yes, yeah. normally in the Faroe Islands, you grow up quite rooted, like yeah, surrounded yes. by family and yeah. in the same place for your whole yeah, life, right? Exactly, so very, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that growing up like that made you, I mean, you were obviously born a, a pretty sensitive person, you know, yeah. if you don't want to go to school, you just make sure that everybody knows that I don't want to, school, to go to yeah. school and you yeah. and everybody can see, well, we can't make her, right? So that's like yeah. Yeah. That kind of courage and that kind of sensitivity. But do you think that growing up like that, being rooted up and always being the new one, always feeling alone, has that informed your desire to be an artist? Probably without knowing it, uh, because there, there is space in that world. You, there is space that there are not so many borders. You, you, you don't get closed in um, as just one thing. I, I mean, it, it's complicated to have such a background. And there's space and there's room in the artistical world for that sort of strange person. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it also kind of in some way maybe brings the imagination alive, do you think? Because you uh, you have to use your imagination also, I, yes. I imagine, to deal with the solitude, the loneliness. Yes. yes. I remember when I was alone there in Sander in that little island and my parents were in South America. Um, I had I used to if the weather was okay and the sky was open and there were stars in the in the evening, I would go out and lie on my back and look up, and and think of up there there's some sort of hope. Uh, I don't know if I called it hope then, but the stars will guide me in a way, you know. So I, I took the stars down to me, and um, I, I felt that was a comfort, you know. Um, the room around you, I mean, the world around you. 
So uh, in that way, I felt, felt in somehow connected to the world anyway, although I was on my own. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and sometimes that's a kind I, of a. It's almost a kind of a spiritual thing, right? Yes, but you wouldn't think it as a child that that was no. it is. But I also was very pragmatic because sometimes I thought that when I'll grow up, I'll have a sewing machine and I'll make my own clothes, and then I'll take that bit of the sky, that blue with the white, that sort of cloth. Uh, that's what I will wear, you know, that sort of things. Yeah. Uh, it's, interesting. Be... it's interesting how you talk about that, how that meant so much to you, the open sky, you know, that kind of spaciousness, as you say, which yeah. I imagine is kind of uh, the premise under any kind of, of, of creativity. You have to have a sense of a lot of space. You can't yes. be put into a box. No, no, to a box, no. Height no. norms, then you can't no. create anything. No. But it goes together with when, when I said when I saw myself as a little child in, in the school stand up for somebody. That's also sp space is getting too close. You, you can't put other people, not only me, but in boxes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And shut them up, you know. Yeah. And it has, the elbows had to go out to the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of, of your songs, they speak about the uncontrollable and the wild beauty of the Faroese nature, the, yeah. the song Altam, for example, but also yeah. other song, songs that you have. So now you are living in, you have been living in Copenhagen for many years and Copenhagen yes. is very beautiful, but it's very tamed. It's very domesticated, yes. yeah, right? Yeah. So do you miss that Ave-inspiring, brutal wildness of Faroese nature? Well, I, I think you or I do, I shouldn't say you, um, I think you got it in you, as a, inside you. Um, I can always shut my eyes and, and see Nolsoy in, in my, you know, in my head, in my inner view. Um, and I can always see, I can always imagine uh, and f sort of feel um, the grass and the stones and the, you know, I think my grounded universe, although I've been living so much apart from the Faroe Islands, always will be rooted in the Faroes. They, I, I'll always feel I am Faroese. Mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of sense in you that kind of, uh, that prim primordial wildness that is very much what you get in the Faroe Islands. You yes. can't get away from it because no. it's, it's so wild it's so yes. unpredictable because the weather and the natural circumstances in every fairy's life is unpredictable because of the exactly. weather exactly yes exactly yeah so you you can't avoid you can't avoid nature yeah and that you, you but you feel that inside you that it's just yes. part of you inside you yes take it with you yeah yeah it's your it's your luggage yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Your brother yeah. also wrote that your way of understanding and dealing with life was by finding the feelings in whatever was happening and then turning it into poetry. What, yeah. what do you think that he meant by that? Well, I suppose uh, if you are somebody that always wonder about things, um, you verbalize them. Uh, and I don't know how to explain this, but if you always question all sorts of things without, uh, without having a name, um, 
it gives you a certain, I don't know what to call it, an openness. Uh, you take in things from people, surroundings, thoughts, your own thoughts, other people's thoughts, and you put them sort of into a, a pot and boil it together. So that becomes you. Um, and then you, I mean, I always, my brother and I have always been there. I've sent him my thoughts written. Sorry, I didn't get that. I have written down my thoughts to yes. my brother. Yes. And he has, I mean, it's hit, hit my heart blood given to him and he put his heart blood into the text that he formulated. Uh, yeah. to, Let's just tell our listeners that many of your songs, yeah. your brother wrote the, the formal words that came yes. out, but informed yeah. by your yeah. more, more maybe chaotic feeling words, yes. and he could put it into poetry. And exactly. then he would give it back to you and you would make a tune and then it yeah. would become a song. That's how you exactly. work, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. But it's, uh, I think it's quite interesting how your brother describes you as more of a feeling-based person than, than logical and almost, and, and finding the logic, but entering into the logic by a different door. Like you yeah, always come to the right, you come to the right outcome, but through a different door to the yeah, feeling door. I think that's true. Uh, there's not a, a straight line. Yeah, uh, and and that openness that you talk about, which uh, yeah, but it, 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 it's about catching, um, catching what's around you. I mean, it, it can be somebody's personality it can be nature it can be a walk just looking at the birds or whatever um all sort of things and things are going on in the world that goes through the, your own little machinery and comes out and as the person that you become yeah it sounds very way. alive like like you are <laughs> I, I think, hope so. Yeah, but I think, don't you think, do you think that you kind of need that attitude to life if you want to stay vital? Yes, I think so. And, and, uh, and I also think um, to take interest in other persons without locking them up, but trying to open them up to... to um, to look into another mind, you know, and, and not to like predict what they are or put them into boxes, but trying to, to, to read their minds and, and take and give from that. Yeah, like a, a discovery, to discover them. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. Uh, and, and very often you'll get very surprised. Yeah, by people. I imagine that you also, in, with that kind of attitude, you also discover more about yourself oh yeah that's of course the thing um i remember a little story i just walked down the street here and um a so very nice man came over and i said how are you and i said i'm fine how are you and then we started talking as a total stranger and he said oh, don't you think i look fit and i said yes i really think you do and he said do you know why no because I walk 20 kilometers every day. Wow. Okay. I said, that's fantastic. Yes, but I haven't got a home. 
I'm homeless. But he was totally, uh, you know, stylish man. And however he did it, I don't know. And he said, I just found this in a bin. And it was what, I don't know what's, when you measure the blood pressure, you know, yeah. I think for that. And I said, this is much too good. So I'm now on my way down to the police to give it over. Somebody may need this, you know. And I thought, what a wonderful man, you know. Without a home, but he had a aim and he had a sense for other people in his own, you know, loneliness. And uh, I thought it was a beautiful story. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. And you would yeah. never get to know this story and be inspired by it if you don't take the time to see the humanness in every single human being. That's no? what I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's as, it, makes, yeah. it makes life rich, right? It, yeah. Yeah. It opens, it opens and it doesn't shut down. Yeah. So, so where do you think that you got that deep listening skill from? I don't know. <laughs> uh, probably because I was so much alone as a child. So I had, to, I had to read other people. I had to read situations. Probably that. I don't know if that's true, but probably some of it could be. Yeah, but you know how, how I, can, I can imagine a, a different child growing up like that, lonely and having to read people and so on, would put up a lot of barriers and protective walls. It seems like you've been able to keep your heart very open, like to yeah, be vulnerable uh, to life. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, to, to stay vulnerable um, and, and, and find... A pleasure in it, in, if you understand what I mean. Uh, that, that you don't have to have so uh, square forms uh, around you. I can be around it, you know. Yeah. I know that you have a special relationship with words, as we were talking about before, when you and your brother create these songs, yeah. that when you when your brother then has the finished poetry of, 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 uh, of uh, the lyrics for a song, then, yeah. then uh, you start repeating the sentences and yeah. you say that it's like the soul in these words, the yeah. soul in them starts to come alive. And yeah. then you can hear the music from the soul of the poem. Yeah. That sounds like quite a magical and beautiful process. Do you think that everything in life has its own tune, its own melody, every tree, every rock, every star, every night sky, or? I never think it like that. I just think there is music someplace uh, in the world and it, you, catch, you catch what you get. Uh, and what you you, when you're searching, you know, and um, I, I don't read music, I, I don't play an instrument, but I, um, I talk, I begin to talk and talk and talk and have the feeling of the words and feeling of the meaning until it gives it to you. And it comes by just repeating and repeating. And then it gives, you know, then it becomes a wave. And sometimes musicians say to me, you, you can't do that. And I say, why can't I do it? Because you, you can't count. It's not the proper counting. And I say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have a counting. I never count. I always just feel it uh, and sing it, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's exactly why your songs are 
such a treasure in the Faroe Islands. Everybody knows your songs. You also yes. made uh, children's songs and every child in the Faroes in my generation knows yeah. those songs. Yeah. And I heard one on the radio the other day and it just brought, it just almost brought me to tears, you know, because I've listened <laughs> to it. So, but, but what I wanted to say is that maybe because it's so intuitive, that's why it's yeah. so powerful. Probably. I don't know. Uh, that's just how I can do it. That's yeah. the only way I, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of perceive it that, that I, I could see that you were doing like this when you were saying I was repeating the word, I repeat the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it just sort of comes to you like a kind yeah. of a, a downloaded wave. from Yes, people. in a way. Yeah. 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 Beautiful yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, your brother also says that you feel things very strongly and that you don't ever attempt to suppress these feelings, to control them or to feel ashamed of them, which I think is what most of us do, but you express them. And he says that your heart is burning with feelings and that that is who you are. What do you think about the description? Um, and isn't it hard to live life like that with so much feeling? Um. No, I don't. I, I mean, that's his description. I can only look through my eyes out into the world through my own eyes, and I don't see myself from the outside. Um, I, mean, I suppose it's true. It, it's feelings that that um, is my path, uh, but I never think of it like that. I never think it. Uh, you know, it's just how it became <laughs> with me, with those strange adventures in, in life. And, you know, I put myself together, you know, step by step. I walked my path, as I always said. I just walked my path. Yeah. Um, and I know that you just, uh, your birthday was uh, just two weeks ago or so. Oh, yes. And as you say, you walked your path. So you turned 75. Yes. And looking back and seeing that path, are you, do you feel contented? Like, yes, I walked the right path. I walked my path. Is that, how do you feel? Yeah, my path, not the right, but my. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean, uh, the right path, path for yeah. me. Yes, that, that was, I couldn't do anything else. That was how, how I reacted then to, to the world. So it was step by step. You had to put yourself together in small bits uh, until you could relax and in the, the person that you became. So uh, when, when you were making uh, music when, when I was growing up in the 70s and in, in the 80s, you provoked, I mean, the, the Faroe Islands were very religious and yeah. very prudish, you know? Yes. And, and you provoked that prudishness in the pharaohs by singing about sexualities and you were acting in films where there were, there were some nudity and there was homosexuality in these films. Um, it takes a lot of courage to, to go against the grain. Where did that courage come from? Again, I think just walk your path. Um, I didn't think of it as courage. Uh, but in a small society, you need somebody to scratch, you know, scratch this, the, the society, the surface. The surface. Um, and that was what we did together. The, the, the people I worked with called the, the group Harkali. Um, and I think you, you need it. It can be about re religious sects. There are many of them in the pharaohs just to scratch a bit and go a little bit further than 
uh, is expected. And I mean, one of the songs was forbidden in the radio, and that's a, the, about this young girl uh, understanding she's got a body and something is happening in her body. And she's 14 in the first verse and she's 16 in the last one. And the mother says, uh, after each verse, she says, all that tickles, it is bad, it's ugly. You don't have that. But she ends by asking, now I'm 16 and still tickles. <laughs> what, what to do? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's very, I, I mean, and that was forbidden. That says a lot about the times then, you know, now uh, where we didn't have television, as you know, in the Faroe Islands. So we didn't get all these impulses from outside. That was, that was the music that gave that, but not. Yes, I, I remember in the wintertime, we would uh, gather all the children, the young children from maybe 11 till 16 to yeah. play when, in the winter when it was so, so dark. Yeah. And there were no lights and we would play outside and we would scream that song, yeah. just singing it all together. <laughs> because I think it was so empowering to yeah. sing that song, song that, that like, like my body tickles, it's becoming yes. alive, its sexuality yes. is waking up, <laughs> yes. and like finally there was a voice permitting that, you know? Yes, and so a girl. I'm, I'm kind and of, a girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm kind yeah. of thinking you probably, had a, a, you probably had a lot more influence than you think, you know? Oh, yes, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, to be allowed to, to have the tickling. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I used to say that, that, that the men that forbid it in the radio, they must have, to have a good imagination. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a compliment that they, that they forbid your song. <laughs> yeah, it was, quite, it was quite funny. And everybody knew it by heart. Yeah, everybody so. was singing it, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in a recent interview that I heard with you, you said that you want to open people up. You also mentioned yeah. Before and so I kind of uh, kind of uh, came to me the question: open them up to what? What was this yeah. uh, purpose? Uh, I sh shall not tell them what to what, but just to open their minds so they don't get so square again. So don't shut yourself up. Open your mind and be the one that you are. Try to find yourself in the world, so um, and you are path. Uh, each of us needs to get a path that's ours, I think. Yeah. So have you always had a sense of purpose and path in your life? And no, but I think it's true, as my brother says, that I've always thought very much about what's right and what's wrong. I mean, don't do ugly things to other people. Uh, don't step on a, uh, everybody's toe, toes if you don't need it. I mean. Sometimes you do stupid things because you are sorry, you are angry, you are something. But normally I talk to myself if I'm, I'm in that sort of situation and I think, what, what, what can I do? How can I get the waters to, to go down, you know, so the, the, the waves don't go too high? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so do you think that every soul deep down has a sense of calling or purpose like yours has been to open other people up through your creativity through your theater your films and your your music 
uh, it, it sounds like you've been quite, came to a stage where it was quite clear that I have a path that I'm walking. I don't know what's going to be, but it's unfolding, unfolding in front of yeah. me. But I don't think, yes, you think everybody has that kind of calling, but they just don't listen to it? Probably we have. Uh, I would hope so for everybody because it's a good thing to do to, to step by step, small steps all the time. You can add something to this path. So it, it you know, it's like making a chain of pearls. But you, each pearl has its quality and it can be bad times, good times, but still it's you. It's, it's you that go through this and nobody else in the world. Do you think that that, all, that kind of perspective on life, that it's a path and that every pearl has its uh, purpose, do you think yeah. that it also makes it kind of easier to bear the difficult times? I think so. I think so. And to stay in difficult times and say, well, now I'm here, um, what to do? And then use your feelings in your head. Yeah, I mean, not to... Um, uh, not to feel sorry for yourself, um, but to say, well, this happened to me and I have to deal with it. I'm in it. And this is also, it can become a pearl on, on the path if you treat it uh, well. Um, that is such a beautiful and profound teaching, you know. It just changes everything when you have that kind of perspective instead of the victim the victim it, it, yeah the victim it it doesn't it doesn't make a person more beautiful or nicer to uh think it's pity for me i pity myself yeah uh i i know that you have also had a lot of challenges in life amongst others with your health yeah what has dealing with that that kind of resistance in life you know what has that taught you i mean you always seem quite light-hearted and and contented well i'm i feel contented at, but, but the first time i was really ill uh, was when we came back from south america and i was got, i was now coming back trying to become um, I was 12 years old, uh, just before the puberty, uh, and I was supposed to now have an easy life. Now we were back in the Pharaohs, I had both my parents, but uh, when the first class I went to, um, the first year, uh, we, we had had some sport, and suddenly my stomach, I had, I had terrible pains. And I, I lifted my finger and asked if I could go out. And she said, no, girls, are you? It's all, she thought it was a menstruation, you know. It wasn't. So I had to stand up and go and pack my things and go out by myself without any help. And strangely enough, my father just passed. He was coming with his bicycle when I came out. And he said, oh, oh you're so pale. What's the matter? And I said, my, my, I've got terrible pains in my stomach. And then there was an ambulance, and I came to the hospital, and my appendicitis had burst. And that took ages to come through. I was lying there and lying there and lying there. But there was one 
episode that I thought was fantastic. There so you were a, in the you were in the hospital for weeks, months, uh, most of the year. You know. Yeah. Just remove the the microphone a little bit from your jacket. Like this. Is it be better? Yeah, just so it doesn't touch the jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here. Yeah. And then and that what happened at the hospital? Yeah. The, the, what happened was that I, then sometimes I came home and I was home for two days and then it burst up again and I had to go back. So I had several operations in the stomach. But one thing, uh, I think they were, they thought I was dying. Uh, two nurses were sitting at, at night time with my at my bedside side and they were talking together and then one said I'll, I'll just ask her if there's anything she wants and she came over and she said is there anything you want and I said yes please I would like that Paula Dahl, the doctor could come and hold my hand because he has such a beautiful hand and he came in the middle of the night probably it was three o'clock he stood up from his bed and he came walking and he sat by my side and he said, now I'll tell you what I've done in your stomach. And he told me exactly what he had cut and what he had sewn. And he said, my scars never break up again. They are so safe. You can be safe with me. And he held my hand. And I think I survived by him. Just doing that. It was a beautiful thing to do yeah and it's it's uh, what you were telling me about the story just the other day when you went out walking and you met this man who says oh, yes. oh and you don't even know him you're actually doing the same it's lending yourself to the presence of another living being no yeah. seeing the beauty in every living being yeah that must be one of the one of the aims in life i think yeah and had you not had this illness, you wouldn't have had that experience. Exactly. So, <laughs> shortly after, uh, when I came to Denmark, or sh not shortly after, but some years after, I came to Denmark, and I didn't. I was going to study, I thought, um, and then I had a car accident. I broke my neck. You know, as, uh, and it was in Jutland, and I'd never been on that island before. So I was. Unconscious, but I came into a hospital and there were 11 beds in a huge big room. And I was staying and staying for months and months and months. And then they were just, I was just lying down. That was it. I was lying. And I could watch all the people, all the others. They, they went home, you know, and they had guests that came with coffee and cakes and things. And I was just lying there. Uh, but Still, that too, that's one of the first only times where I really pity myself just for a moment uh, because uh, there was a theater in Copenhagen that was going to make a play and they asked if I could be a singer there. And that was one of the first jobs. And there I was lying. Yeah, you can do it. No, I couldn't do it. Not at that time. But then I came to Copenhagen and I was as thin as a stick. Uh, and I'd just been lying, lying, lying. And, but then they were, there was, something had happened. Uh, and somebody got sick or whatever. 
And then I went, went into the theater and said, how, how is it going? And I got the job anyway. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. They were delayed. So yeah, life has its way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It goes in circles and then, you know, yeah. Yeah, like it's definitely, definitely not a, a straight line. No. But do you think, do you even think that, I mean, that, that's so much hardship as a child of 12 years old, months in the hospital, and then again uh, in your early 20s, yeah. again months in the hospital, and not becoming bitter, that kind of resistance. Do you still see them as pearls on your, on your path? Beautiful pearls on your path? Yes, in a way, because it always something good came out of it. Uh, I mean, that's that doctor when I was 12 sat in the middle of the night and took my hand because he had a, such a beautiful hand and took me in and he gave himself to me. Uh, the, the same thing happened with the other one when I broke my neck that I got the, the part anyway. Uh, although it, it had slipped my hands, you know, but then I got it anyway and had a beautiful time there yeah I, I suppose it kind of gives you like a trust in life no yes you have to i mean you have you i mean just being in a hospital for such a long time you have to give yourself over to and and, and say to yourself i believe in that they are doing the best they can yeah um i know that you're a very social person and that you like to be with your friends and you have many friends but do silence and solitude have a place in your life too oh yes very much so i need it you as i i don't know if everybody does but i certainly do and i think many many people do much more than they probably talk about um, I need uh, loneliness. I, I mean, to be by myself, not loneliness, but to be by myself, um, to clear my head or whatever it is, to, yeah, just to be in, in a vacuum. Uh, so you don't, you know, you can't, you can't give all the time or take all the time what other give you. You have to have, or I have to have, it breaks pauses, pauses, you know. Um, to reconnect with yourself. Yeah. 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 Peace. Uh, to get peace. You're rooted. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so this this uh, this podcast is called uh, "Intimacy with the World." What does that phrase invoke with you? The intimacy with the world. Well. Um, I think every, everything we have been talking about has to do with intimacy, actually, and to, to stay in the moment, to be there, uh, to be in this world. I, I mean, not uh, um, to take uh, each moment, you know, to take it in, to, to, to be in it yeah. and to dare to be in it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Although it goes up and down or whatever it does, it goes yeah. around corners sometimes. And, and uh, does spirituality play a role in your life? Uh, do you consider yourself to be spiritual in any way? No, I don't really. I, I don't think it like that. Although I, am, I feel I'm a part of nature, but, but uh, I never think the word uh, spirituality. Um, that's for all others too 
to tell us. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting how how words like uh, I, I spoke to somebody who cycled around the world. She was yeah. the fastest woman to cycle around the world. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I hear her speak, she's so so wise. You know, and she she knows things that I I've had to read uh, twenty books to learn about. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She, just, she hasn't read all, all that many. No, she cycled on her bike around the world, and she had this relationship with the moon and the nature yeah. and the yeah. just resting in life. You know. Yeah, and open her eyes. Yeah, exactly. And like you, she doesn't call it spirituality. It's not necessary. You know, no, to have a word no. for it. No, 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 uh, no. I I don't have a word for it. Yeah. I think it's enough to walk your path. I really hope you enjoyed this episode uh, with Annika Hoydal, singer, songwriter and actress and cultural icon in the Faroe Islands. Thank you so much for listening to Intimacy with the World podcast with me, Dorita Hall. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. And if you were with us on YouTube, please like the video and leave a comment. This greatly helps other interested people to find these inspiring conversations and it also helps me. So thanks again, everybody and Annika and see you all next week. Thank you. So before I leave you completely, I wanted to let you know that in collaboration with the Adventure Syndicate, I am offering a very special online mindfulness course with focus on our inner wildness and on how intimacy with nature can teach us so much about ourselves about how to be in our bodies and in the world in more wholesome and authentic ways that bring more well-being to ourselves and others. This course starts the 2nd of February in 2021. And for more information about this six-session online course where we explore our inner wildness and freedom through nature, go to theadventuresyndicate.com and then go to shop and you'll find all the information there. Or you can also go to my website, which is doritaholm.com. Thank you so much again for listening and see you next week with a new episode of Intimacy with the World podcast. Be well. Be well.